0: Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Unnecessary Roughness.
1: Looking over the middle, hockey collapses, he takes off, to the goal line, touchdown Stidham. Six the hard way!
0: Unnecessary Roughness, on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q.
1: And here we are, kicking off hour number two of the show, Raider Nation. Going to have Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports join us in a matter of minutes to talk all things UNLV, talk all things Aces, and, of course, talk all things Silver and Black. But uh, just coming up off the news, uh, as we ended hour number one, talking about Darren Waller and Clutch Sports has split. That is Darren Waller's agency. That was his representation. Now he has to wait five days before he can get some new representation. Got a few text messages in reaction to that. 69187, keyword R&R. Yes, Q, you read my mind. I think they don't like that Waller's a stand-up guy who don't want to hold out. And use those kind of tactics. Uh, also, another text from the 916. That may be huge for the Raiders. Clutch Sports is a greedy management. Waller wants to be a Raider. Re- retire one. Let's go Raiders. And then uh, Colin in Vegas said, educated guests. Clutch wanted to take the Raiders to the cleaners. Waller probably is down for a team-friendly deal. Those are just three of the responses that we've gotten so far. I've gotten a lot of tweets. Uh, a lot of direct messages already being sent to me. And uh, I, I kind of lean that direction as well. But I don't want to answer for Darren. You know, Darren might be riding around listening right now like, nope, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. So I don't want to say that that's the reason. That's just my gut feeling. I just feel like with Clutch Sports, like everyone has noted, they are um, a very tactical agency. They find ways to get things done, and most of the time it's, it's usually pretty ugly before it gets better. And so for Darren Waller to leave it, and, um, you know, and they, he signed with them, what, last year, late last year, uh, right around the time that he was injured. And, you know, came back, obviously he returned uh, late in the season and then the playoff game, but that's right around the time that he signed with them, and to be gone that quickly kind of tells you a whole lot about, well, just clutch sports. So we'll find out. We'll talk to uh, Vinny Boston York coming up at 3.30. We'll ask him his thoughts on, uh, on, on Darren Waller no longer being with clutch sports, but we'll also talk offensive line as well. So we've got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. Again, we're efforting Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. In the meantime, in between time, I do have a bunch more text messages to get to on a bunch of different subjects. We've only been on the radio for an hour and three minutes. I feel like we talked about 15 subjects already. Uh, This is what I like. This is what I love, just going quick, fast, and in a hurry. Gizmo said, I'll be the biggest supporter of Carr and twice on Sunday, but let's be real. It's MVP or bust for Derek to me. He has no more excuses to fail. Uh, on, and this season, the wind is at his back to move forward and do great things. I'd look at this season as a failure of not at the tops in passing yards this year and not in the conversation for MVP. Las Vegas the Raider Nation deserves a dominant winner, and we should expect nothing less. I don't think Derek expects anything less either, whether he says so or not. Let's go Raiders. So he said, Gizmo said, it's MVP or bust for Derek. And I don't know. I think that that's a little over the top. Because I think you could be a really good quarterback, and I think you could take your team to the playoffs and make a deep run and not be in the MVP conversation, right? I mean, I I think that that's something that's a strong possibility. I don't think just because you get to the playoffs and make a deep run, you're going to be in the MVP conversation. You're in the MVP conversation if you are just – you are the guy. You're over the top. And, you know, I hate to always go back to 2016, but when he was briefly in that conversation in 2016, it was one of those cases where he was doing some – extraordinary things right he was helping he was helping the team or he was actually the one of the main reasons why the team was as successful as they were right he was the one of the main reasons why they were on their way to the playoffs and eventually got into the playoffs and had been in the playoffs for the first time in a very long time so and even then he only had a few votes like people always talk about he was in the mvp conversation it wasn't like it was close it was just a few people had put him in that conversation. You know the funny thing about it is, while we're talking about MVPs and the, uh, and, and the quarterback position, Russell Wilson has never got an MVP vote. I, fi- I mean, I, I laugh at that because I find it hard to believe. I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I liked him when he was in college. I was actually shocked that he made it to the third round. I know the only reason, in my opinion, he made it to the third round is because of his height. But I, just, I, I, I couldn't believe it when I found out that he hadn't had an MVP vote before I thought, really? Russell Wilson? Because he's really good. So, But he's usually really good at the beginning of the season, and then towards the end he starts to tail off. So it starts to make sense. I think it was, what, two years ago? Yeah, because last year he was injured. But two years ago he had started off the season on fire. And I thought, oh, this is the year he's going to be the MVP. And then all of a sudden it just went, choom, boom, and just torpedoed. <laughs> so it was that's that's funny. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's MVP or bust with, with Derek Carr. I just think that with all the – Options and all the weapons he has around him, and and again, the guy at the sideline matters. You know, I mean, I try to emphasize with all the guests that we have on the show. I always try to ask them something about Josh McDaniels if they've had any kind of any kind of interaction with him because I think that he is such a difference maker. I had mentioned in the last hour I was talking about Dennis Allen taking over for Sean McVay or Sean Sean Payton, excuse me, in in New, uh, New Orleans. That's that's who I look at. Josh McDaniels, and I say he's on that level. He's on that level as far as a play caller as a Sean Payton. You know, there's certain, there's certain play callers in the league that you really respect and think that they're, they're the upper echelon, right? Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco I think does a fantastic job. Sean McVay, I mentioned him in, in L.A. with the Rams. He does a fantastic job. Sean Payton with the Saints, same thing. I think that Josh McDaniels is right up there in that same category. I don't care where you put him. I'm not saying he's got to be first, second, the Andy Reid obviously in Kansas City, fantastic job. There's certain guys that just get it. And Sean and Sean, I don't know why I keep saying Sean. Josh McDaniels is is a guy that gets it. He understands how to do some really good things offensively and how to get the most out of his players. And you know, when we were talking to Evan in the last hour and I asked him what makes him tick, Josh McDaniels, that is, and and you know, he he's talking about adjustments. In game adjustments, you know, not half to half, but you know, quarter to quarter, drive to drive. Hey, look, this isn't working. This was our game plan going in. This wasn't working. Okay, well, here, I've got a couple other ideas that I can work with. Oh, I got this other game plan. This this is plan B. Oh, this is plan C. Oh, you know what? Let's revert to plan D. Like, he's got all these different options. And that's what Eric Allen had mentioned to me the other day at practice. Like, hey, this guy has something that could beat every coverage he's going to see. He's just that smart. So that I think that that – it's such a big difference maker that we're not talking about enough. We're talking about Devontae Adams a ton. We're talking about Darren Waller with no representation. We're talking about him a ton. We're talking about Hunter Renfro. Who's the next guy going to be? Matt Collins? Is it going to be, you know, uh, Keelan Cole? Is it going to be T. Billy? Who's it going to be? We don't talk about the guy calling the plays and pushing the buttons enough, in my opinion. I think that that really needs to be a focus point and an advantage. I think everyone needs to realize in Raider Nation, that's an advantage that you have on the sideline. I think what Derek Carr did. I was on, who was I on with last night? Oh, Peter Bukowski, uh, who covers the Green Bay Packers, but he also does Locked Sports today, and so he just covers the biggest headlines in sports. So I was on with him last night, and he was he was saying, you know, he was asking me about the different weapons that the Raiders have and and how, how good the team could be, and I was like, Peter, do you realize that Derek Carr – found a way to help this Raiders team win 10 games last season and make it to the playoffs, and he had to deal with John Gruden as a play caller. He had to deal with Greg Olson as a play caller. He had to deal with Rich Passaccia as a head coach. Not that that's a bad thing because Rich Passaccia, I don't want anyone to think I'm talking bad about him, but he wasn't pushing the buttons. He's not considered an elite offensive mind. He's a special teams coach. He's just a leader of men. And Greg Olson, I don't think there's anybody breathing that thinks Greg Olson is a good offensive coordinator as far as play caller. I don't think there's one person alive, including Greg Olson, that thinks he's an elite play caller. I mean, Devon, you're laughing in the home studio, but I'm not wrong.
0: No, it brought, no. Um, it just brought me back to like a scene from Office Space. It just ask Greg, Greg Olson, what do you do? <laughs> just what do you do here? Right? Because it would also it would always come up. You know, when Gruden was around, hey Gruden calls the plays. It was basically. Greg Olson, like he's not cool with Derek Carr like on a buddy buddy system, but he can disseminate what John Gruden means a little bit better than Derek Carr.
1: Yeah, he That's was a O C yeah. He was the middleman. He was the guy that Gruden say something and Olsen could go and talk to Carr in a in a way that, that Carr wants to hear it. That's what people were saying.
0: Yeah, that's what was said, but you just brought it up and it just made me think. Man, I don't know. What was Greg Olson's strong suit? Like, you know, an offensive guru, like Josh McDaniels, he's talking about, man, I think yesterday someone said, hell or hot water, they're going to be using the screen game. Like, that's going to be a staple of the offense. Greg Olson, couldn't tell you.
1: Well, you know what's so funny about that is when Gruden was gone and the first time that Olsen called the plays, I think he called a couple screen plays, and everyone's was like, oh, my gosh, look at this offensive play calling. It's elite. It's next level. Oh, man, it's going to be so great. And I was like, what are you talking about? It was a couple screen passes that he called. That was it. That's all the change people needed. Right. Th- that wanted Just
0: a little taste of it. See and it I, once, and it's like, that's what I'm talking about.
1: That's what I'm talking about. That's where it's at. You know, and the other thing is, it's so funny, and I don't remember what game it was, but it was while the Raiders were on a skid. And we were in the press conference, Damon, and you were there because you were passing out the microphones. You were making sure we were staying in, you know, in, in check, doing what we were supposed to be doing. And somebody asked um, Derek about the play calling, and Derek stopped him like halfway through the question. He was like, if you're asking if I'm, if I'm happy with Oli as the play caller, yes, Oli's great. I don't remember who it was. You sure it wasn't you? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Derek only got, got um, froggy with me once, and, and it wasn't even bad. But I forget who was that. It might have been Josh. It yeah, but I been... do
0: remember that answer because yeah. just like how abrupt the cutoff was. He just
1: cut him off, and he was like, yes, what you're asking is can... – oh, no, it was Willie. It was Willie Ramirez that asked the question. That's right. And uh, Derek got a little upset about it. It was like, yes, what you're asking is am I happy with Oli as a play caller? Yes, he does a fantastic job. But you could tell he was irritated. And not with Oli. He was just irritated because that was the narrative, like the play call is not very good. This is That's one question that we'll never ask this this season. I promise you. That's not going to be a question, is the play calling going to be good? I have all the faith in the world this play calling is going to be good. As a matter of fact, I think it's going to be better than good. I really do.
0: It's going to be real good, but that just made me think, so not saying, you know, don't want this to go wrong, but if things do go wrong, let's say there is like a two- or three-game losing streak here, who's going to get the blame? Because we know Josh McDaniels, like he's leading the offense. The weapons are so much better. I think that this season – it, all, it is going to fall on Carr's shoulder. So like that texter said, hey, MVP or bust, that's a, that's, I don't even think Packers fans would say that about Aaron Rodgers and he's coming off two in a row. So that's a little, you know, unrealistic. But I do think that Carr this season, it is like this is a make-or-break season for Derek Carr, not so much as we all know what he can do, but this is the year that you really got to prove it.
1: Well, you, just, you would just think that it's able to come together. You, I mean, you, you would just think so. And look. I mean a guy that throws for 4800 plus yards a season ago, you would think you're already saying it's it's come together. What Derek Carr needs to do in my opinion, just my humble opinion, what he needs to do to take himself where he's at and I think we all agree he's a he's a top 10 quarterback, even if you put him at number 10. Let's just say he's top 10. To take himself from top 10 to top 5, he's got to have the ability to trust his wide receivers or his tight ends a little bit more. What I mean by that is don't take the safe, the safe throwaway on, on third and third and eight when the play's not there or third and goal is not there. Just throw it out of bounds and settle for the three. Give your tight end a chance. Give Devontae Adams a chance. Give Renfro a chance. Just trust one of your guys, Matt Collins. Trust one of your guys to go make a play. And I believe he has that in him. And the reason I believe he has that in him is because he's done it before. He's done that before. Back in, again, going back to 2016, I hate that. I'll be glad when they're a consistent playoff team, and I don't have to go back to 2016 anymore. But back in 2016, when the Raiders were a playoff team, Carr would throw the ball up and give Coop a chance. He'd give Crabtree a chance. He had all the faith in him. When Gruden returned, Gruden said, hey, be safe with the ball. Don't turn the ball over. Like, and Derek said this. He said this multiple times hey, I'm doing what the coaches tell me to do. Gruden says take care of the ball. He says throw it away. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to do what the coaches tell me. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and get reckless this year. I'm not suggesting go out there and get reckless. But I'm saying on certain plays, on certain opportunities, you've got to trust your guy to make a play and say, you know what, 17 is better than anyone that's in front of him or or next to him or beside him. And I think 17 is going to make a play. And you know what? I'm going to live or die with 17 making a play or 83 or 13 or 10. Whoever, you know, whoever it is, got to have a little bit of faith that they can make that play. Sometimes, you know, you look up and you say, I don't know how that was completed. I, you know, that was a 50-50 ball, and maybe it was a, you know, a 40-60 ball where the defense really had a better chance of making a play than the offense did. But you know what? I know that 17 is better than the guy that was, was defending them. So I'll roll with it.
0: So many times, like we just had with Evan, where it's just, I love the, how he broke it down. Where If you're just going to be drafting the players on each roster, I just just popped in my head because you said 17, you just trust him. Man, the praise that he hyped on Devontae Adams were just, hey man, the Patriots secondary, it's good. And it's going to help them get a little better because they know that no one else that they're going to match up with is going to be better than Devontae Adams. It's just so refreshing to hear it in that this Raiders, I know this is only my third season. But the Raiders haven't had a player like this, since the, yeah, and it's just wow to have one of those guys on the team that you're following, you're covering. It's a game changer.
1: I okay, and we'll take a break after this. And unfortunately, we weren't able to get with Paloma Villacana. She's that means she's on a hot story right now. I promise you. I promise you. I, I know if Paloma don't pick up the phone, that means that she's she's covering something. She's on something really hot. So uh, we'll catch up with Paloma later. That's okay. No worries on that. I'll say this and we'll take a break, and and anyone that wants to you know call in or text in and say that I'm wrong, I'm fine with that, <laughs> 100%. The Raiders as a team have not had someone on the caliber of Devontae Adams' level since they had Jerry Rice and Tim Brown. I mean, seriously, they have not had a dude as talented at that position since they had Jerry Rice and Tim Brown.
0: Oh, of course. I thought you meant, like, overall, but at that position
1: – no, I mean, even – hell, overall. <laughs> I mean, who's the, most ta- <laughs> who's the most talented player that they've had since Jerry Rice and Tim Brown? You could say Khalil Mack. That's easy, but – He wasn't the – like, I wouldn't know, but I, don't I mean, he cause... was an alpha dog on defense. But, I mean, just look at the alpha dogs on offense. Who's the best player that they've had talent-wise since Tim Brown and Jerry Rice? Nobody. Amari Cooper was really good. Oh, come on. Michael Crabtree was really good. But they weren't Devontae Adams really good. Mm -mm. They're not. Neither one of those dudes is walking into Canton, Ohio. None of them. Neither one of them. Coop or Crabtree. And I like Crabtree a lot. I like Coop a lot. Hell, I think I still got one of his jerseys hanging in my closet. They're not walking into Canton. 17, he's got a chance, a real good chance to walk into Canton. But if, if I'm wrong, let me know, Raider Nation. I'm, I'm here for it. 69187, keyword r Of course, you can always hit us up at 702-365-9200. Got a lot going on on today's show, and I'm here for it. Vinny Bonsignor, he'll join us at 3.30. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: We got Vinny Bonsignor coming up at 3.30. From the RJ, also the morning tailgate right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I threw out the statement that Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver, most talented dude, really, that the Raiders have had since they had Tim Brown and and Jerry Rice, and I got hit with many people hit me with Randy Moss. I'll say this. Randy Moss is a Hall of Famer for sure. But what Randy Moss did with the Raiders was not Hall of Fame worthy. I mean, think about that. It's not like Randy Moss's talent with the Raiders, again, I'm saying – the Raiders have had this talent. Ra- Randy Moss was a Hall of Fame talent guy, just not with the Raiders. I mean, Raider Nation. In two seasons, he only had a little over 1,500 yards. In two seasons, and what? 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdowns at 1,500 yards in two seasons. I think this guy number, wearing number 17 could have that this season. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I don't. I mean, now look with all the talent that the Raiders have, he probably won't. But he has that ability. So, you're right. Randy Moss is a Hall of Famer. So, okay, he's, he's that guy. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like, they're right. He's a Hall of Famer, so I'll give him that. But 1,500 yards, I would like to think that Devontae Adams is going to be much better than that.
0: Yeah, but just to go back to those texters, they're bringing up the entire body of work. Right. If someone mentioned, oh, the Raiders right. haven't had a good defensive lineman and they brought up Warren Sapp, be like, no, that's not the qualifier here. But yeah. he's a Hall of Famer. But to we're to their credit, though, to the their Raiders. credit,
1: because Devontae hasn't done anything with the Raiders yet either, so he might he, – he could go for two seasons for 1,500 yards and then, you know, that would be the same thing that I guess I'm saying. So uh, Randy Moss is – I stand corrected. Randy Moss is the, the one guy that they've had that's been, you know, talented, a really talented guy. I, I mean, look what Crabtree and, and, and Coop did was better than that. Was more, you know, not more talented than than Randy, but the yardage that they got, the production that they had with the Silver and Black was way better than what Randy did. So where they're right, there's like a it's like an asterisk next to it, you know? Because and I don't think anybody in Raider Nation is like pounding the table for Randy Moss either. I think that they're just no, no, we got a couple of those sticks. No, I know, but I I don't <laughs> think that anyone's like, hey, Randy was the guy, you know? Because I think everyone realizes that he quit on the team. I mean he, he just he basically collected checks. So there's that. Um Gizmo said all I'm saying is that it's always been said that Carr was was the greatest arm talent of his class. That tells me that he has the ability to check down Charlie. He has to be a he has the ability to be a check down Charlie and a gunslinger. I can't speak for Raider Nation, but I'm just ready for him to let it fly. More Brett uh, more Brett Favre, less Alex Smith. That's what I mean. It's M V P or bust for Carr this year. We've all seen that he has that kind of potential. I'm ready to see it all put together. I no, I'm I'm not I'm not against you. You know, it's just it's just when you go into the season you're like, hey, this dude's MVP or bust. I'd rather it be AFC West Division Champs or Bust, right? That that's that's just how I look at it. Um but I do think that the dude has an opportunity to really, you know, be a hell of a player. And look, that goes back to what Adam Schein said. I mean, he's he's basically and he had a, a whole three minute little monologue about what he thinks that Derek Carr could do, and he mentioned it. He mentioned in the monologue that he thinks he could be an MVP. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and play it real quick. Uh, this is the extended version of what Adam Schein said from CBS Sports and Sirius XM talking about Derek Carr as opposed to Tom Brady. It's a lot longer than the version I played earlier. I just cut it down because I just wanted to get to the point. But here's what he had to say, and he goes into great detail about Derek Carr.
2: Derek Carr is tuning out all the noise surrounding the Raiders and Dana White and Tom Brady as he should. And I'm telling you right here, right now, Derek Carr is going to have the best season of his life this season. And I, I feel terrible for Derek, who we'll had to deal with relocation, going from Oakland to Vegas, Antonio Brown torpedoing a season, everything that happened with Henry Ruggs, John Gruden, mismanagement, bad trades, bad draft picks, and... The fact that Derek Carr has been great dealing with all those issues and obstacles in the eight seasons that he's been the Raiders quarterback. I mean it's I feel terrible for you look at Derek Carr this year. Devontae Adams joining the team his best friend from Fresno State it's kind of everything. I think that Adams and Derek Carr they're going to have a monster season. Then you look at Renfro and Waller, and I still value Josh Jacobs. I think that Raiders fans who are looking back at the Dana White story in 2020 and Tom Brady, they're not paying attention. Look, the whole thing was torpedoed because John Gruden's ego is massive. He didn't want Tom Brady to have more power than he would in Las Vegas. That's why that didn't happen. It wasn't because of Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr more than John Gruden. But, Here's what I believe. Not only is Derek Carr going to have the best season of his life this year, and he's going to throw for over 5,000 yards. Derek Carr this year is going to have a better season than Tom Brady. The Raiders are going to win more games this season than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Tom Brady knows it better than anyone that Josh McDaniels running an offense as a quarterback guru, listen, this is everything for Derek Carr. There's something off when you look at the Buccaneers. Brady, 45, 11 days away from the Bucks and training camp. All the injuries and issues up front on the interior portion of the offensive line. And no one knows it, as I mentioned, better than Brady, the genius of McDaniels bringing it together. So this really will be the ultimate quiets the conversation tour for Derek Carr this year. You know I voted for him years ago for MVP. I've always said my guy Derek Carr doesn't get the respect from everybody nationally, the pundits, the Twitter tough guys, the media lead, internally in Vegas forever when you look at John Gruden. I think McDaniels and Devontae Adams are going to help Carr Carr is going to help them. Derek Carr is going to throw for more yards than Brady, win more games than Brady, and I can't wait for Derek Carr to shut up all the critics and the haters, including Dana White's, in
1: 2022. So there you go right there. Adam Shine. that was the full-blown three minutes and something seconds uh, version of what he had to say about Carr, uh, Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, and the Buccaneers. So uh, very well broken down. Uh, obviously, he feels very highly about D.C. and what his potential is this year. Thinks he's going to have the best year of his career. We'll ask Vinny Bonsignor. He's up next for the morning tailgate. Also, the Las Vegas Review-Journal will get his thoughts. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.
3: Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Embajador Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group.
1: And Vinny Bonsignor joins us now on the phone lines. Of course, you can catch Vinny every single morning on the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. Vinny does a fantastic job. And, Vinny, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. My man, I thought that when we talked, we were going to just deep dive on all things offensive line, talk about your piece you put on the RJ, and we will. But there's been a lot going on since the morning tailgate signed off at 10 a.m. this morning, including Darren Waller uh, leaving Clutch Sports. We found that out just a little while ago. Uh, that You know, he signed with them at the end of last season before he got injured and, you know, kind of missed a few games and then returned. So when you read that, when you saw that Darren Waller has left Clutch Sports, what was your initial reaction to that?
3: That uh, things aren't uh, going as well as he anticipated with the uh, contract talks. And here, here's the thing. Um You know, the Raiders have him under contract for the next two years, you know, so they're in no rush to get this done. They don't have to get this done. Obviously, um, you know, he wants to get it done without question, but this is a decision that he and his group made back in 2019 when, you know, they kind of went for the, it was, was if you remember correctly, it was in the middle of that season, maybe even a little bit less than a middle into the season where you know he went for some guaranteed money, which I totally understand. Nobody knew who Darren Waller was coming into that season. He played well, uh, earned himself a new deal. But had he just waited a little bit longer, um, I think he would have been in a much better position. Finished out that season, signed for a much bigger deal. Um, but he he signed that contract, and now with two years left on the deal, this year and next year. Why would the Raiders be in a big hurry uh, to go ahead and and re-sign him? It just tells me that things aren't going uh, the way he had hoped they would be.
1: No, I agree 100%. And DeMond had mentioned that earlier as well when we first saw the news. And I said, and my counter to that, Vinny, was do we know that it's not going well because, you know, from Clutch Sports' point of view or Darren Waller's? And what I mean by that is, you know, Clutch Sports has their tactics to get things done I don't know if Darren Waller likes clutch sports tactics and this is just me you know shooting the bull about it. I, don't, I don't know obviously what's on Darren's mind but that was one of the things that popped into my mind
3: no question about it I mean um, if he was satisfied with their approach uh, if he was satisfied he's staying with clutch sports right, right. Um, something and it sounds like this is obviously his decision so whether it's um, the lack of progress on a contract the lack of their tactics um, in pursuing an, a new deal. Whatever the case might be, there's something that's given Darren Waller some misgivings about his representation, and now um, he's, he's switching gears, and it looks like he's going to start at ground zero with somebody else, which also sets things back, and yeah. you know, now, now a new group has to come in and get to know Dave Ziegler and uh, you know, uh, the Raiders side of things and start from almost ground zero uh, to get something done.
1: Yeah, and he can't sign a, a new uh, agent for five days, so that's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a step back. Here we're talking with Vinny Bonsignor on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you.
0: Yeah, Vinny, I know you said that there's no urgency on the team with two years left in the deal to re-sign him, but do we know if the team has made him an offer and what a possible offer that makes sense for the team would look like?
3: I don't know that, uh, um, DeMond. Um d- I think it was yesterday, um, you know, I had reached out to some people, uh, not not on uh, the team side whatsoever, but people that, you know, um, are kind of in tune with what's going on. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was don't hold your breath on a new Darren Waller deal, but it was along those lines of this might take a little while, uh, nothing is imminent, and it didn't sound like or feel like anything is close. And um, so I'm not sure. I can't I can't say whether or not the Raiders have made any kind of an offer or whether they're just kind of sitting back and saying, let's see how this year plays out. Um, We'd rather do something, um, you know, closer to the end of the contract. But to answer your question, no, I don't know if they've made any kind of an offer. And if they have, obviously, um, you know, Darren Waller and his side, whoever that side turns out to be now, uh, weren't happy with it.
1: Let me ask you this, Vinny, because Willie asked uh, head coach Josh McDaniels yesterday in the media session about uh, the confidence level that Darren Waller is going to be out there week one. Uh, Do you think that he's going to be available against the Chargers, or do you think that this is really going to kind of make it a little closer?
3: I'd be shocked if he didn't play. I mean, it's it's in his best interest uh, to play. You know, if he wants to um, firmly put himself in a great position to earn a great new contract – he needs to be out on the field. So, um, you know, until I'm told otherwise, I don't, I don't think that any of this, uh, is directly related to the, to the contract in terms of him not being out there. Now, you could say and, and absolutely make a case that indirectly on some level, it's got to be on the back of his mind. So, uh, when it comes to any sort of a strain or any kind of a, you know, whatever it is that he's dealing with with the hamstring, if it's not 100%. From a uh, you know practical standpoint and a common sense standpoint, especially if you're trying to get a new contract, you don't want to put yourself in any kind of jeopardy. Now, if this was to start the season right now, or if it, if this was in the middle of the season, would this be enough to keep him out of the lineup? Um, I don't know that to be the case, but I, I doubt it would be. But when it comes to being out there practicing, uh, I think he needs to be as careful as he possibly can. Again, not directly related to the contract. Like, he's not holding out because of the contract. I just think he's being as careful as he possibly can, can, knowing that there's a contract, um, you know, uh, that, that he's in pursuit of a new contract.
1: All right, Vinny, I want to scatter shoot with a few different subjects here. Let's just say that Darren Waller and this offense is all one piece when they face the Chargers. How lethal do you think this offense potentially could be with all the weapons and also Josh McDaniels pushing the buttons on the sideline?
3: very um you know we saw it, what, the 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 parts that we were able to see and glean <laughs> these last couple of days uh you know when the when the Patriots were practicing against the raiders there, nobody can stop Darren Waller I mean the only time that that Darren Waller didn't come up with the ball was when you know the throw wasn't there um you know threw it over uh his head or whatever the case might be, and that was far and few between uh two sometimes. You know, as a quarterback, you're just going to throw it kind of like where your guy can get it, or no one else can get it, and those are sometimes hard to complete. But otherwise, every time you looked up, he was wide open, and um, and even when he wasn't, there were times when he was catching the ball too. But um, so so, just think about that first of all. That you have a guy that is basically wide open every time he steps on the field or goes into his pattern. Then you have. Uh, you know Hunter Renfro, who himself we saw him. You know uh, yesterday, I think it was, just shake somebody in the end zone. He made the guy look pretty silly, and it yeah. was a pretty decent quarterback for the for the Patriots. That's what he does on the routine. And then if you have a Darren Waller uh, out there, he's just a complete nightmare uh, in terms of defending. We've seen so many times where when when teams decide to defend Darren Waller uh, in one on one situations, that's when he gets fed because tell me who is going to be able to stop him if they throw a 50-50 ball up. He's taller than everybody else. He could jump higher than everybody else. He's a kind of a, got that basketball mentality where he could box people out. So he's just a nightmare in his own right, even when he's kind of covered. He's not covered. So how are you going to stop all of that as, a, as an opposing defense? The, the question is you're not. You know, You're going to have to hope for some mistakes. You're going to have to hope for some sacks. To just you know slow that whole thing down, and that's you know an area that the Raiders definitely have to be aware of. And then on top of that, you throw in what I think has a chance to be a pretty decent running game with with the kind of running backs that they have. It's going to be it's that's an offense that's going to have defensive coordinators and opposing defenses have some real sleepless nights on Saturdays before Sunday games.
1: Talking right now with Vinny Bonsignor from uh, in, uh, from uh, the morning tailgate, seven a.m. to ten a.m. right here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Also, the Las Vegas Review Journal's got a really good piece out right now on the offensive line, and in particular Alex Leatherwood. And I know Demond's got a question for you, but I wanted to follow up real quick on on Derek Carr. This is something I said uh, a couple segments ago before you hopped on that for him to take the next step this year with the weapons that he has. Remember, he threw for forty eight hundred plus yards last year. Really good job. For him to take the next step, he's going to have to trust his guys, 83, 17, 10, 13. He's going to have to trust those guys and, like you said, throw that 50-50 ball every once in a while and just say, you know what, I'm going to live with the results because I trust my guys more than I think that the other guys can make a play defensively.
3: Without question, and um, when you think about last year, uh, there were a lot of times when the only guy that he, that, you know, trusted without a doubt was, was, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro. And to me, Hunter Renfro is a guy that you just trust he's going to be where he's supposed to be. Um, you throw the ball um, even when it doesn't look like he's open because you know he's going to get himself open. To make the play, okay, uh, but there were a lot, a lot of times last year where Waller wasn't out there, so it was really just the Hunter Renfro show yep. with a little bit of Zay Jones uh, mixed in. And I don't think that you know Derek had that kind of chemistry or that kind of belief in his Zay Jones to just throw the ball up sometimes and, and uh, expect his guy to come down. But when you put Devontae Adams, Hunter, and Darren Waller out there together, those are three three players that. At any point, you know, at various points in Derek Carr's career, going all the way back to college, there's just absolute trust that he has in all those guys. Think about the game last year, the season opener. How many times did he target Darren Waller? Like 19 times, I want to say in in that yeah. game. Yep. Why? Because that's how much trust he had in a Darren Waller. Now you times that by three. Um, he's never had that before. Where you know, there's always been a case where you know uh, uh, Derek Carr had trust in one guy and maybe lukewarm trust in, in other guys. And I'm talking about just letting it rip type type trust. Now he's got three guys, um, and, and a lot of times those three guys are going to be on the field at the same time. He's never, ever had that before. So I think you're definitely going to see a much more aggressive-looking Derek Carr.
0: All right, Vinny. We've been talking so much about Waller and the new weapons on offense that a training camp is just wrapped up. What impressed you from the Raiders when these joint practices with the Patriots? Some takeaways, some players that maybe impressed a little bit more than you expected going into joint practices. Just your biggest takeaway from joint practices.
3: Um, I, you know, for for me, it was it's just sort of the efficiency that they worked with. You know, um, there wasn't a lot of uh, guys. You know, just just sort of you know uh, milling about. There was always a purpose to what they were doing. There's always things that when you were watching it, it made a lot of sense to you. Um, there was there was the discipline that we saw and the accountability. Uh, a lot of guys running laps early in training camp that started to wane as training camp went on. Guys started to get that message and go look at the stats for you know in terms of the penalties uh from these three preseason games the, the the Raiders are doing a great job in that regard. There's some teams out there that are getting penalized a lot. So um it's not just cuz referees are are, you know, uh, pocketing the flags. They've just done a really good job in a, in that in that area. So for me from an overall sense, definitely the efficiency and the accountability. Guys that have impressed me, you know, 17 is definitely just a a walking highlight reel, and it's been a pleasure uh, to watch him, Derek Carr, uh, the way he's he's been throwing the ball. I like the young running backs. I like Britton Brown. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out a way the Raiders could keep this guy on the roster, because I'm not so sure if they were to try to sneak him through waivers and bring him back on the practice practice squad, he'd make it through uh, waivers. He's a pretty good-looking running back. I think we all saw that uh, against the Miami Dolphins. Um, You know, some of the young players, Obviously, Nate Hobbs, I think, has superstar written all over him. Trayvon Merrig um, has, is, is on the right path. Uh, I like the young linebackers. Luke Masterson, um, has, has really flashed, uh, quite a bit. Uh, Tayshaun Bowers, I think, is better than, than what we anticipated. So there's, there's a lot to like from some guys that, you know, weren't necessarily always on the radar um, as we were contemplating the Raiders, uh, you know, during the offseason that I think have shown that, you know, they deserve spots on this roster and can be, uh, you know, pretty good depth pieces.
1: So, who do you think this game tomorrow is most important for, if anyone? Because, I mean, there's most of the spots are probably already, uh, you know, been accounted for. But who do you think really has an opportunity to solidify their, their spot on this roster
3: tomorrow? I'm going to play tag your it cue because I'm going to ask you a question about that very thing. Do you think we, do you think we see Clee Farrell tomorrow, and, and, and do we think that he's, you know, we haven't seen him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I like think he's wasn't. done.
1: I think he's done. I don't think I don't think he's with the team in 2022. Just my gut feeling. I don't. I don't yeah, think
3: and and you know I, I wrote about it. Uh, Story's probably going to post in a little bit. Like what his what tomorrow means for him. You know right. we haven't. Unfortunately, he got hurt, so he yep. was not there during practice. He hasn't been able to play in any of the games. You know he did practice these last couple of days against the Patriots. Uh, uh, just, is is tomorrow sort of his last stand? And you know uh, to at least earn. Kind of a depth piece, uh, role. I- I'm kind of with you. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if by, you know, n- uh, next Wednesday, you know, uh, Clay Farrell's not on the team. So, so that's somebody that I'm kind of keeping my eye on. Obviously, Alex Leatherwood, uh, what does his future hold? Um, you know, I think that the Raiders, not that they're at the, they're, they're at, at the end of, at-, at a wits end on him, but, you know, um, he hasn't responded. I think that's safe to say he hasn't responded to the competition uh, as well as people would have liked. Um, he, to me, he digressed as training camp went on. His snap counts uh, started waning, and I felt like um, not that he checked out, but I think that that, that sort of affected him a little bit. And, and his fundamentals are all over the place. Um, I don't. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked at all, one way or another, uh, if some you know with what whatever does happen with Alex Leatherwood.
0: Yeah, Vinny, you speak of Alex Leatherwood, and you had that piece that got Raider Nation in a tizzy. Because, huh, fired up. Oh, my God, <laughs> let me tell you, Vinny. Great piece. All options are on the table, and you, mm-hmm. you might as well have taken his career away from him as soon as you press send on that story. <laughs> but when it comes to if he's not going to be the guy, because it, uh, it was looking maybe a few weeks ago once their Mumford went down, that, hey, he's got to be the de facto starter at right tackle. So has Jermaine Illuminor done enough to earn the job, or is it just he's the best option right now?
3: Um, I, I mean, I thought he looked pretty good. I thought he looked pretty good against the Patriots in the practices. And I felt like whenever he's been on the field, he's, he's more than held it his own. And, you know, uh, for, for Jermaine, not that he got dealt, you know, a bad set of cards, but think about it. You know, he had to go play left tackle. Uh, a lot this this off season, um, because Colt miller wasn 't there, and they had to trust somebody to play left tackle or at least see if somebody could play left tackle in a swing tackle uh, uh, spot so we haven 't really been able to see him a whole lot at right tackle, which I think is his more natural position but yeah i think he's i think he's put himself in position uh, to win this starting job, and you know as as far as Alex Leatherwood. You know, um, it's just it's a tough deal. You know, he he it's it, it's not his fault, but he was drafted 17th overall. Uh, but I just feel like, you know, something's just not clicking uh, with with Alex Leatherwood, and it's 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 frustrating because he's a pretty darn good run blocker. Even the grades from the preseason uh, shows that 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 he could get after it in in run blocking, but. When you're whiffing the way he was against the Miami Dolphins and getting pushed back the way he was against the Dolphins on Saturday, that was just an abysmal performance, and I think that um, it really really opened some eyes and not in the right way uh, with the Raiders.
1: So, Vinny, let me ask you, uh, when it comes to the offensive line, and I feel obviously great about Colton Miller, feel pretty good that it's going to be Dylan Parham, I guess, at the left guard spot, (laughs) Uh, Andre James at the center. The right guard and the right tackle are the two biggest questions. Are they currently on this on the team, or do they have to go outside the building to get those guys?
3: I think the right tackle, at least to start the season, is on is in the building. And okay. whether it's Jermaine or Luminor, um, or Thayer Munford, you know, we'll see if he gets back to practice next week. Uh, I think that they um, feel like they could get by, or at least you know, play play well enough with either of those two guys um, at, at right tackle. Um, Jackson Barton, you know, I was looking at his PFF grades. <laughs> I think he's played like 90 snaps in yeah. preseason, and he's grading out really well, uh, especially in pass blocking. So maybe he—he you know, he, he was. Well, honestly, look at him, like,
1: Vinny. He would scare the hell out of me if I was I trying guess, to
3: block him. Exactly. <laughs> like if you're a defensive end, you just look at that guy and you melt. Like, all right, I don't want no part of you. Because, we, and that's a running joke between Q and I. That dude yes. is <laughs> scary looking, man. Yeah, so, he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we kid him. He's probably the nicest guy in the world, too. Yeah. Uh, but but you know he's he's actually played pretty well so and, and people forget he was on the team last year so um, it's not like you know he hasn't been on an NFL roster before um, so yeah uh, I do I, th- I I think there still is room out there for somebody that's on another roster right now uh, to 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 be with the Raiders here pretty soon and it'll be interesting to see if that's as that swing tackle as depth or if they just flat out say there's somebody out there. Um, on another roster that we believe is going to be available uh, this time next week uh, that we're going to be able to bring in uh, and be that starting right tackle. I'm not going to rule anything out uh, with that position at this point.
1: All right, Vinny, before we let you go, the one thing I've learned from this new regime led by Dave Ziegler, Champ Kelly, Josh McDaniels, and company is that to me it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, from reading your piece, from just observing from a distance, it feels like that this regime doesn't care about How much money you cost, how much, you know, where you were drafted at. They want the best players that can get it done for their team. And if you cost them some dead cap money, they're willing to go ahead and take that hit, especially since they didn't draft these guys or bring some of these guys in, like a Drake, like a Leatherwood, and others.
3: It's what they've said all along. And yes, to answer your question, there's no question. um, You know, it's going to be the best 53. That's their goal, that's their objective. And I don't think that they're going to let anything compromise. Who they believe the best 53 players are moving forward. Period! Exclamation point! Veteran status. We saw that with Kenyon Drake. How much money uh, somebody makes. It's not that Kenyon Drake was going to make a lot of money this year, but the, but the organization between 2020 and, and and now have put in about 11 million dollars in him. There's owners out there in this league that would have said, Hey, 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 you know, I want to get something for this uh, investment. And, you know, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniel said, we're, we're picking the best 53. That's the bottom line. So, um, you know, and it's not personal. It's just business. Uh, Their, their, their intent and their objective is to build the best 53 man roster. And At the end of the day, you have to respect that. It might, you know, phrase some feelings. Uh, there might be some shockers, some surprises. It might blow your mind uh, that uh, the 17th pick overall from last year's draft might literally be in danger of, of keeping his roster spot. Um, all of those things might seem like, wow, that's, that's drastic. But they're determined to be- pick their best 53, and, uh, and to me, that's refreshing.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. should be a fun time in the locker room tomorrow uh, after the game, but we'll see how that all shakes (laughs) out. Vinny, uh, I know you're out at uh, Pub 365 tonight, man. Let everybody know what's going
3: on. Uh, we're starting at 5 o'clock, inviting all NFL fans, all Raider fans uh, to come out. There's going to be some live football. I think there might be a college game going on tonight, too. So uh, the opening of the college season, I believe, starts tonight. There's going to be great food, great drinks. Pub 365 uh, over at the Tuscany Suites. And I know that a lot of our old crew from uh, Rockstar Bar and Grill uh, are in town because of the games tomorrow. So we're going to catch up with some old friends. Uh, looking forward to it, 5 p.m., Pub 365 at the Tuscany Suites and Casino.
1: There you go. Sounds good. Vinny, thank you so much for your insights, man. Fantastic job as always. Great article that you had out that got everyone fired up. And uh, we'll talk to you later, and we'll see you tomorrow on the morning tailgate.
3: All right, guys. Have a good one.
1: All right, there you go. It's Vinny Bonsignor right there. Fantastic job with the RJ. Also, the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. with Clay Baker and Heidi Fang. 351 is the time. Take a quick break. Come back. Close out hour number two. This is Red Radio 920.
3: Welcome back back to Unnecessary Roughness, roughness. here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
0: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
3: Here's your boy, Q. Just got a
1: couple minutes here left in hour number two. We have the great Phil Villapiano coming up to kick off hour number three of the show. Raiders alumni, over 300, going to be in town this weekend for alumni weekend, kicking off tonight. Going to be in present at the game tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium, so we'll talk to We'll talk to Foo about all things Raider alumni, plus we'll talk about this year's team. But right now, let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Gangsta Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, my man?
4: What's happening? What's happening? All I want to say is uh, once a Raider, always a Raider, and much respect to all the Raider alumni. You know what I'm saying? Nothing but love for them and much respect. But uh, I want to say thank you to Dana White because I think Dana White just really put the fire up under Derek Carr because – you know, he was already motivated, you know, with everybody doubting him. But with this um, Tom Brady story and him calling him the MF, he's like, I'm going to be the MF, though. Not only have a better season than him, like he said, I think he's going to go break all Tom, Tom Brady's single-season single records this year. And I know um, Brady's season, season, season record for touchdowns is 50, and it's 17 games now. So all Derek Carr had to do was throw three touchdowns a game, three times 17. That's 51. You know what I'm saying? So he can easily throw three touchdowns a game and break um, Tom Brady's single-season 50-on um, touchdown record. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I want to say, and I, I want to thank Dana White because he's going to guarantee me that four Gs
1: because
4: <clears throat> I, I put down 100 bucks for Derek Carr to win MVP, and they keep, like, more and more fire up under him. That's all I want to say. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the Raider alumni. Much love. Once a Raider, always a Raider. I'm gone.
1: Yeah. Nice. gangster Raider right there talking all things Raider alumni. We'll be talking to Phil Villapiano coming up at the top of the hour. Foo, uh, excited about that and uh, excited about all the Raider alumni that are in town. Hopefully get to catch up with a bunch of them tomorrow at Allegiant Stadium and throughout the course of the weekend. And, of course, shouting out Dana White as well for putting out that story on the Gronk over the weekend. So to get Derek Carr a little bit more fired up. Not that I think that he needed to be fired up, but we'll talk to Foo coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.